Hello, hello. How's everyone doing? It's been a while since I've been here. But how's everyone doing today? Hopefully, you're good. Feel free if you're walking in to come in and tell me your aha moment. I am Salty Clovey. My name is Wanda, and I am the host of the podcast. And um, I just got back from vacation, and I had a, my aha moment <laughs> during my vacation. Took a couple of uh, weeks off from work, which was fabulous. Um, generally, I like to travel. I've been noticing my birthday's in February, and I've noticed that... Um, uh, February keeps getting warmer and warmer. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But it is getting warmer and warmer. I don't know how to lower this thing, but not necessarily turn it off. Um, the reason you hear Erica Badu in the background is because... Um, so aside from traveling out of New York City, I also like to do staycations. I've been doing staycations for a good 15 years now and what I mean by staycation is I'm actually a tourist in my own city (laughs) you learn so much from where you live even though I would have to say that in New York City they do a great job with um, in public schools they do a great job in giving you the history of the city that you live in or even born in and uh, kudos to the public education who, um, at least in your fifth grade, when I was 10, I had a professor named um, Fuchs. And he was the one who taught me about John, Len- John uh, Lennon, his music um, when he passed away. His, uh, he took us to the strawberry fields in Central Park. He would take us to the Soho area, the Greenwich, where we also call the Greenwich Village. And that's one thing I do have to say about public schools in New York, at least as a child growing up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, That's what, that was my experience. Um, I think that's important. I think it's important for all states to do that. And if wherever you're from if they did that or if you recall being a New Yorker and they did that I think it's highly um, important I think because of it I enjoy still living here so yes I will take a week off usually take two weeks off not necessarily consecutively um, to go away from New York and then I would definitely do at least two weeks as a staycation One of the things that I want to share with you uh, tonight is that the staycation. So if you're not from New York and you're planning on visiting, um, you can go to one iota, the number one I-O-T-A website. And when you go to that website, you actually can get free tickets for shows. So that's what I do on my staycations. Um, As a New York State resident, I'm able to um, go to these museums, you know, classical, known museums, like the Natural uh, History Museum, which, by the way, has changed. So if you have not been to that museum in a long time, you're going to see a very different museum moving forward. They've actually updated the... um, the history to 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 show what <laughs> New York history was really about um, the slave trade, the, um, the the massacre of the Indians, the natives, if you will. And I think that's important, also. You know, um, I for me, um, I went to the Ground Zero Museum, and I have to say. It, it it doesn't I don't know I don't know who makes these decisions when they're building things 
But um, one, I feel that it is sad that as a New Yorker who experienced September 11, the way we experienced, for them to charge you to come visit, to see what they're telling people, it's kind of weird and kind of um, fucked up, if you will. Sorry. I didn't mean to curse, but I just think that's the only way I could have expressed it in this manner. Feel free to come up if you want to, if you have any questions, or if you want to introduce yourself. Um, but yeah, like how how is it that you actually experienced September 11 and you're you've been a native New Yorker, you pay taxes among tax lights. I don't even want to talk about that. Um, but and you can't go to the Ground Zero Museum for free. Even if it's like one time, one time thing, I think that should be available. I do, however, want to share with you that if you are a New Yorker and you get an NYC ID, you can actually go to these, uh, it's it's a long list of museums um, and uh, what do you call that, cons- con- you know, those parks, like Central Park, well, Central Park is not really, wildlife, the wildlife, sort of like the Bronx Zoo, there's another zoo in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Museum, the it's a list of museums that you can go to for free. That's mostly because these museums are funded by uh, the state. Not like the Whitney Museum. The Whitney Museum is private, and um, those are uh, the artists who have their items there, their artwork there. They pay good lump sum to be there so and uh, people who are into the arts whether that be global international they pay top dollars to have those museums so I think those another museum that's really interested in um, if you haven't been to the tenement museum uh, it's broken up into errors Um, you know they have the Puerto Ricans when they migrated into the United States well when they flew in because they actually didn't migrate here they're actually citizens but um they have the the one I went to was the it was a Jewish one where uh, fabric so they're the ones who created the, the fashion industry the fabrics and had uh, women and families who had businesses of making dresses and making clothing for people. So, uh, Tenement Museum is pretty. But going back to the free stuff, one iota has um, different states where they have the live shows. So, I was finally able to see the Seth Meyer shows. Um, I don't know if that's called the late night. The late night show is the one with Stephen Colbert, which I actually went to that one as well. It was the, the Stephen Colbert show, the best part of that whole thing is the entertainment, the, the late night band. My goodness, the late night band is phenomenal. Um, great great band I mean when I tell you that is the best part (laughs) that is the best part of the show the the only thing that I want to alert you is that if you do um decide to go to any of these live shows um I went to the Tamron Hall show and that one I got an email last minute you know I was like okay because what you do is you go to one iota and you select the date and the time and then in some cases if they sold out or well I wouldn't say sold out because they're not for sale so if you're if you're buying tickets to go to these shows these selective tv shows um that's a scam um you're not supposed to pay for anything um but you do pay for for the time you're standing online and that's what I want to alert you 
Um, so you pick a date, you go, and I wasn't sure which day I wanted to go for the Tamron Hall, so I got on the waiting list. And they sent me an email, and they told me, hey, um, we got a spot for you for Wednesday, February, uh, what was it, 15th, in the morning. And I was like, well, you know, let's go. And I signed up my friend who's retired, Larry. Larry's my best friend. And we both went, and guess who was there? <laughs> Erica Badu. Erica Badu, I met her in person, face-to-face, in the Tamron Hall show. It was amazing. Um, and, I, and I think that's what's important about when you live in a state, of wherever you live, I think you should really take a staycation if you don't do that. Um, I know uh, prior to COVID um, I had said you know in 2020 moving forward I'm no longer going to pay anyone else (laughs) I'm not going to pay to go to any other country forget that I'm just going to stay right here in the United States and start really learning more about places in the United States you know for for many reasons that's okay and um I don't know. Uh, American tourism is just weird. You know, I mean, how many times can you really actually go to Disney? Like, blah, blah. There's nothing exciting for me at Disney. And there's... It's just to say you went to Disney is pretty much it, right? Um, But if you learn about the culture of Disney, how it started, when it started, what was the purpose? Um, what, what was... What was uh, Disney's ideals or the company, if you will? What what was it? What what is it about Disney that your your Americans are so attracted to? I want to go to Disney or having football players when they win the game. Where are you going? I'm going to Disney World. I mean, come on, <laughs> seriously. Um, when my children were younger, I always wanted to take them to places where they can actually learn something, right? And the only thing you learn about Disney is that you have long lines. It's expensive as hell. If you go in the summer, it's too freaking hot. And if you go in the winter, it might be a little too chilly, right? That's all you really learn about Disney. But we all know that there's that one ride that everybody takes that has always been there. And it's a memorable ride, which is, it's a small world. It's a small world is pretty cute it hasn't been updated since they built it (laughs) and I've never been to Disneyland but this is the interesting thing about Disney when you go to the Disney in other countries my goodness that's when you really appreciate it so I've been to Tokyo Disney And I've also been to Paris Disney, which, by the way, is not in Paris. Just so you know, because I got a ticket. I got a summons (laughs) in the subway. But anyway, that's a different story for a different time. But when I went to Tokyo Disney, they made it. um, That's a good thing I love about Japanese. They're very um, business oriented and they, they know what the purpose is and they know how business works, right? They duplicated worlds or maybe Disneyland. I don't know. I've never been to Disneyland, but they did exact everything is on point. It looks exactly the same. The culture, the customer service, what we're really supposed to get out of it is what we enjoy. And I think the reason why we don't really, as adults, I guess, we don't really get to enjoy, or even as children, I don't know what kids like these days. Kids are weird. But one of the things that I noticed about Tokyo Disney is that there wasn't a huge parking lot, right? Because I don't know if you've been to Disney, but there's more parking lot than park, Right? And that scares me sometimes. But needless to say, in Tokyo, um, because of the 
high density of population. They encourage people to take the subway, right? So I don't know if you if you've ever been to New York and you've been to Coney Island, you know, you take the train, the D train to Coney Island, to Brighton Beach, whatever, and get off or on the A train, either one. And it leaves you right there in Coney Island because, you know, New York is New York City is not a driving place. And and I think that's why a lot of people don't like New York City, but you know, whatever. Um, I love New York City and I, I will not leave it for anything because of the convenience of not having to drive everywhere, right? Good luck with those gas prices. And um, I was thinking, man, their parking lot is actually a, a bike rack. So you just come in with your bike or you come in the subway. You park bike in the honor system. You don't have to pay. You just leave your bike there. No one is going to steal your bike. <laughs> like this is this is in Tokyo Disney. And it's amazing how Japanese children love Disney. They love it because it's not something that they get to do every day. It's not something that it's in their culture. It's something different something new something exciting something fun and I think I, I really think that's what we've lost in the United States we're so divided and we're so segregated and we're so like ugh. I'm not saying it's horrible to live in this country but I wish we can make it better for our kids you know for all children right and to see these Japanese children these kids because I'll tell you in a minute about Paris because that was kind of weird but um to see them um from head to toe dressed up in Mickey from head to toe like the smiles in their face the the ability because when I went to Tokyo Disney it was like I can see that this was like an after school place to go to you know just for a little bit just for like an hour and I'm sure that they have some incentives for, for people to come and just be free for a little bit. Because that, that's what I saw in their faces. You know, that they were just free for like a few hours. That they can be somebody else. That they can be the Ariel or they can be a character. And that's what I noticed about the Japanese children at Disney and it just like it was so beautiful to see and I think that's why I encourage everyone to really travel like go out leave your community for just a week if you can't afford to travel make it a priority to work a second job just to do one trip even if it's one trip before you know you retire or before you know you stop working or I really really um, am hoping and I'm gonna start so getting at this um, I have my aha moments because I did an interview with my youngest daughter and I'm bragging about it for weeks now because it was the best interview that gave me insight of, of my purpose. Interviewing my daughter um, has taught me, and I have two, this is my youngest one. She actually told me that. She told me, you know, mom, I'm working at a university now. How ironic is that? You work for university. I'm working for university now. And she mentioned how the students that are coming in now, they don't know how to go out and network and socialize. And so in her field that she wants to get into, which is a children trauma as a psychologist, um, she really feels... there's going to be a lot of work to be done for um, 
Generation Z. So my my topic interview with her was Generation X versus Millennials. And her interview was my aha moment. Because I learned in that interview by asking questions, you know, on a professional level with podcasting. Um, Because she told me, she's like, if you're going to interview me, I want you to treat me like you treat all your other interviewees. And I was like, oh, man, shit. How is that going to work? What's she going to come up with? Because she's she's a little sassy. Uh, And I know I shouldn't say that word or use that word, but um, she is different. (laughs) to say the least and I think my that aha moment that I had in that interview with her was because she mentioned two things that caught my attention the most one she she valid she validated the way she is now through she said this is her this came out of her mouth she said I got my work ethics from you. I mean, since I was, since I can remember, you could have had the worst weekend, the worst day, and you still got up and went to work. I got that from you. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I, I want parents of younger children who are listening, if you are listening, or if you're not, feel free to share that children are watching they're watching us they listen to everything we do well they they watch everything we do and they listen to everything we say they are paying attention even when we're not saying anything they are listening they're watching and they're observing and if it wasn't because I believe that she had access to mental health resources, right? Um, straight out of her mouth. So the first thing that she acknowledged was that she got her work ethics from me. And she said that this generation, they don't really know. They don't really know how to go to a job interview they don't know what it is to, you know, you have to be on time to work. You have to be at work. And that people are, when when you get hired, people are depending on you. She says, Mom, the only reason some of these students don't know this or young people don't know this is because they don't have the resources to, to know this. Don't have a family member who ever worked, maybe. They don't have uh, family members who worked at a corporate or a, a job like a nine to five type of place. You know, they were doing something different. Like if you were raised with an artist, you know, an artist is seasonal or whatever, you know, during that time. So she said that, you know, that was one of the things that she appreciated about being raised by me and the second well actually there's three but the second thing she said and mentioned uh, so one was the work ethic the other one was traveling she said that she didn't realize and I always said this to myself I, I always said my mom used to take me to Dominican Republic every three times a year maybe or twice a year so that was something that I, I learned. I learned that I had to get up early, um, three hours before the flight, or maybe in some cases four hours. How to pack? How to um, do your itinerary? How to make sure that you know what you're gonna do? Do especially now. Now we have resources <laughs> that we can go in and Google the streets and walk the streets through Google. Um, we have the ability to search and do research for the places that we're going to go visit. And she said, you know, that she appreciates so much the fact that I took her and her sister traveling because um, 
she realized that she now as an adult, 26, she has friends that don't know how to travel. They want to stay indoors. They just want to stay inside. And she recalled that when I used to travel with them, I was like, we're not, we didn't come all the way over here to the Bahamas or Las Vegas to stay in a hotel room. We came to venture out and we came to explore. And she says that that has stayed in her, you know, mind this whole time. So when she travels now with her friends, she's in shock to learn that not everybody had that advantage, you know, that parents really spend more money on things that may have not been an investment or significant at the time, like let's say a PlayStation or or a Hoover, you know, whatever game console or something, that they could have really taken that money put them in a summer camp or something that takes them away or could have, or just go travel and the you know I'm, I'm not wealthy I'm not rich um, but what I used to do was I would make sure that I would take a week for myself to travel alone explore the area and then I would take a week and will take them with me um, on a later date to the same location just to see how it is you know first by myself and then I will take them and I I I have to say that you know I was very uh I was very good (laughs) in in saving money um to travel with them you know I I didn't I had a timeshare, which actually helped a lot because what I would do is I would save that money to, um, you know, that week for them so they can be in a comfortable place with a kitchen because I, I really don't like to eat out. And I really, my kids are picky when it comes to eating. Well, they're, I don't know what they eat anymore because they're adults and they've been doing their own food for a while. But, um, I think if you have younger children or if you already have older children, you have grandchildren, and you weren't able to do these things with your children, I encourage you to try to do it with your grandchildren because there's nothing more beautiful than grandparents uh, teaching and, and paying it forward to your grandchildren your culture, your foods, your your history. Um, we should all sit down and have conversations with our children and record them. Record them, make them into an audible, save them. Because these are the things and the history and the experiences that We'll stay in the clouds somewhere for someone. And the only reason I say that it's because I had a conversation earlier on another app where I was so frustrated um, with the play. Well, I wasn't frustrated or anything like that. Like, it didn't ruin my life or anything. But in the heights, um... When you have someone else tell your story, it's really kind of sad, you know. It's sad and it's frustrating and it's especially when they're making money out of it. You know, no one really knows the life you live and can tell your story. No one. So my advice and suggestion and recommendation is to document your life, your parents' life. Make sure you hold on to those pictures, make them into metal. Um, I think it's 
photo, fish photo, something like that, where I had some of my grandparents and parents' photos made into metal. Um, in case, so if the apartments or house burns down, the photos re- remain intact. Um, there's so many things that I've learned recently when it comes to history and, and your life. I go to museums now and, and I see <laughs> the hip-hop history, the one that I actually lived in and experienced and was in it, in it. So when you go to a museum and you see your history up there and somebody else is telling it and they're making money out of it, it's just really... interesting so we need to teach our uh, children and I'm hoping that my daughters have learned that that you know only they can really tell their story of living in the Bronx um, prior to COVID as a generation uh, Y which is also the millennials um, they were sort of like in the cusp of no cell phone getting into cell phone um because cell phones really smart smart smartphones really didn't come out until post 9-11 and my youngest one was she started kindergarten in around September 11 the week after so the week before yeah couple of days before September 11th her first day of of kindergarten and I I, the second thing that I learned about my daughter so the first one was you know work ethics the second one was traveling so the interview is so um it was my aha moment. I've been interviewing people, some that I knew, some that I didn't know, and having them tell their story. And, you know, to interview your actual child <laughs> and how eloquently she spoke about her being raised in the Bronx and her future objectives and purpose and knowing what she wants to do at 26 wow it's amazing how many 26 year olds do you know that know exactly what they want to do I I know a couple I know um, a lot of young people who I'm like wow like slow down (laughs) where you going but that's a good thing I see that as a positive hopefully you know some point they will have in their face that look that I saw of the Japanese children who visited Tokyo Disney that they would have that that look that that excitement like all right, this is the place that I'm going to go to just feel like a kid again or feel like a kid. Can you imagine living in a country where you never know what it is to be like a kid? And, And I've had conversations with people where they say, you know, that's the problem with this country, you know. Everybody uh, wants their kids to be kids. They need to be adults and they need to, you know, they need to like (laughs) be responsible. (laughs) I think it's hilarious for people who may have never had children to say that. Or if you have children, I mean, at this point, right? it's, It's either because you're ready for it and you want it you really want to have children but that was another aha moment for me when my daughter explained to me how and why she doesn't want to have children 
She says she's she's got so much to do. She doesn't see how she's going to have time to raise a child. And I think that's fine, you know. I was looking forward to working 35 years where I work at to retire early so that I can take care of my grandchildren. Those are my plans. And just because they're not hers doesn't mean that I'm broken heart or anything like that. It just means that hopefully my other daughter will want to have kids or maybe I can help someone else raise their children if they're unable to do so but they can still maintain their relationship you know without having to give your child 100% away Um, my mom used to be a babysitter it was one summer where she ended up with 10 kids (laughs) Um, I thought that was fascinating how she had a wait list waiting for her to you know get rid of the because once they start school that was it you know so those people actually doing their whole planning on when to have or when to get pregnant based on her wait list (laughs) so I thought that was interesting (laughs) but anybody feel free to come up Ray Davis hello Sarita Isa hello Brian Saduko Moth. Hello. Abbas. Celine. Hello. Mystique. Melanie B. Marcianne. Ellen, how are you? Thank you for stopping by. Chucky. Dag Frederick. Cecilia Grace. Hi, how are you? Reggie. Stevie. Ricky. Monica. Spacey, Trey Knowles, Arnold Smith, hello, Elizabeth, Akipunwa, Bobo, I hope I said that right, Latanya Jones, and Michael J. Thank you so much. Please make sure that you look at the lists of listeners and follow each other. But um, I don't know if, if this is on, uh, but feel free to come up introduce yourself and tell me your aha moments um see i wonder if i have this wrong okay but um i also um for those of you who are walking in i may need to repeat because the the one thing about wisdom that I a little bit confused about is you know you see that there's 24 listeners but sometimes you really only have half of that so I, I don't think the number reduces as people leave so um, you really don't know who's here on, on you know real time but uh I'm happy that you know I had this great two weeks off to um, engage in some time off from everything. Pretty much from everyone, too. <laughs> um, my uh, aha moments have been a few in the past couple of years. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'm no Oprah. <laughs> But I'm hoping to help others uh, figure it out with their aha moment in a very peaceful way. Um, So much going on and we don't really take time ever. And I was once told (laughs) by a good friend Um, and maybe she's right maybe she's wrong you know always be yourself don't worry don't change if you're quiet and you're different and people find that strange 
let them find it strange. But I really like to be alone. You know? And and I would let me rephrase that. It's not that I like to be alone. I like to be in solitude. <laughs> um it just gives me time to refresh, refocus, and do whatever I want whenever I want. And I and I think that is quite frankly okay. Don't ever let anyone, even your best friend, tell you or make it or imply that that's not okay. It's okay. Um, I also heard recently a lot, heard this a lot. We all die alone. <laughs> We're born alone or die alone. Um, will I die lonely? Absolutely not. Will I die alone? Yes. Um, am I lonely? Absolutely not. I have you guys right here, right? With <laughs> all 26 of you. But, um, feel free to visit my website. And on my website, you'll see the interview Generation X versus Millennials. And, you know, get out check out that interview um, I also learned this is weird part because I always thought maybe maybe I did it more with my oldest daughter than I did with my youngest she mentioned how she learned about credit and finance, li- financial literacy from her father and I thought that was interesting because we were married for <laughs> I guess 11 years and we divorced and she actually talked about that too in the interview so that was interesting and I'm glad that you know she did have the um, ability and the resources to reach out to you know mental health care for that to understand that to understand that you know a lot of kids a lot of times they blame themselves for adults bullshit you know um a lot of times the kids will blame the parents (laughs) and and most of the times when the kids adult children will blame or still blame parents is when they really haven't had the opportunity to do healing and, and go into a therapist and talk it out and you know a lot of people are not advocate of mental health care. Um, I'm not saying this is something for everybody, but it is good to talk to people who can help you with tips and 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 ways of just calming down and refocusing and retracting and getting back into you. One thing that I've learned is that if you don't really take care of you, you really can't take care of anyone else. So, and I have a friend who bought me a, a book one time. <laughs> it said, don't sweat the small stuff, right? It had a little bit. I think I still have it somewhere hidden in a box. But don't sweat the small stuff is really much what we do every day. That causes stress causes unnecessary stress and sometimes when you're the happy person and you're the person with the positive energy all the time you'll have haters you'll have people who really don't understand that and want to live a life that's always in chaos and turmoil and ugh (laughs) it's like at what point do you say can't do it anymore I'm gonna have to remove myself so that I can just go back into my calm mode to have a heart attack over here but um we cannot live a life where we're so focused and worried about what other people are doing and not doing 
and that's not being selfish and that's not being a, a, a person who doesn't love their community and a person that doesn't um, who's not passionate about something it's just that if you want to be a leader and you are a leader you, you better be ready to lead and that, that takes time, that takes courage, that takes um, a lot of energy. You really need to know people who are following you are understanding your purpose for the collective. And sometimes we do get lost because we want to help so much. We want to have people get it. And from my experience as an advocate, I've had to sometimes disconnect to reconnect. Sometimes we may have to disconnect to reconnect and I met Erica Badu this week in the Tamron Hall show and I learned so much from her I don't know her I listen to her music the music is awesome but she's also a celebrity and she um shared a little clip of her with her mother and her grandmother. Her grandmother's birthday was around the time of my birthday and she spoke so I mean we all started crying in the audience when she spoke about her grandmother and how ironic is it that we live in a country <laughs> where celebrities are like you know, this person. Did you ask a child, a student, who is your role model? And they'll say, oh, auntie so-and-so or my father, my my grandmother, my, my sister. You don't hear them say Erica Badu or Michelle Obama, you don't hear none of that. And for children who do say that, it's either because they're living in a dysfunctional household where they they really, and even then, even children who live in dysfunctional households, they always have that aunt that they remember. They always have the cousin that was there for them when they really needed them. They always have the neighbor. It's not these politicians. It's not these um, entrepreneur people online or social media. It's our community. Our, Our people. Our immediate families. Our immediate friends, co-workers. They're the ones who are going to be there for you. I think I won the jackpot. Let's check this. <laughs> oh, hate it when they do that. They sent me an email. Um, I got an email one time from the Mega Million. You won the Mega Million. <laughs> I go in there and I won eight dollars. It was the worst experience ever. <laughs> but eight dollars is more than what I had, right? When I played. <laughs> so that's how I see life I see life in its simplicity of what it is we need the air to breathe the water to obey our thirst clean ourselves the sounds of nature the birds we remove all of our material things tomorrow 
what do we have? A heartbeat? <laughs> and what are we going to do with it? None of this will exist, right? I had a talk um, on Outside the Box with the icon, also known as Ronald Smith. And we talked about that. We talked about what would you do if everything was shut down tomorrow? Like, no social media, no phones, no electronics, period. What would you do? You know how many people depend on their phone for memorization? As a Generation X person, I used to... Where I, where I started working, I was a dispatcher, and I had to dispatch people through beepers, right? Wow, beepers. <laughs> remember Smart Beep? And I remember knowing the, the what is it? Nine digits? Maybe ten digits? I would learn the ten-digit beeper numbers of 50 50 plus mechanics and officers to dispatch them. And I was good at it too. And now, (laughs) I can't sometimes even remember my own number. Isn't that crazy? So for the smartphone users or people who refuse to get rid of that flip phone, the analog phones. Which is very unfortunate, you know, because companies and industries are now forcing Generation X and uh, baby boomers to use this expensive thing so that they can pay their bills. And it's so sad, you know? They, they, they're not even I mean it happened so fast and I can tell you that it happened right around September 11 immediately after September 11 and it's so sad it's really sad that you know people are being forced and, and it's gonna get worse um, not so much for the worst worse but you know currency is not gonna be how the transactions of currency is not going to be how it used to be. We're not working for money. We're working for energy. Energy becomes <laughs> currency. <laughs> so, just like here on Wisdom, you spend an hour, you get a couple of points. You know, time is precious. And that's all we have left when everything is gone. Time. (laughs) But anyway, thank you so much for stopping by. If you want to join, I don't know if I have it. But please feel free to come up and introduce yourself. Tell me your aha moment or not. I don't know if, if I started this talk with or without it. But make sure that you go to the listeners and you follow each other. You can find me on www.saltycoffeepodcast.com. And you can also find Ronald Smith at www icon6.com and if you have any questions about branding marketing resources for free send me an email I don't charge but time is precious and essential so Please make sure that you respect everybody's time. That's another thing that I'm kind of working with wisdom as much as I can 
because I'm not able to set a schedule here. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing to just walk on in and just say hello, provide you with the information that I can. That's pretty much it that I have for tonight. Um, <laughs> it's my last day of vacation, officially. I'll be back at work. <laughs> but the, the one thing that I have to say is that I, I enjoy my job. I love what I do. I've been doing it for 33 years. Um, it got a little shady around COVID. A little concerning, but... One thing that I always knew and will always know is that when you work for private institution, especially in Ivy League school, you'll never be out of work. And you always have the opportunity because, you know, people are like, my God, 33 years. How could you work in a place for 33? My children are, whew. <laughs> And the idea is that if you really, really think about it and look at it, it's not that I, it's, okay, how can I explain it? Because nothing changes. When you're working for Ivy League school, the core curriculum stays the same. And it is changing, by the way. They are changing the core curriculums, you know, because they're outdated from like 1754, is the, the core curriculum for Ivy League schools like more than 250 year old um, curriculums have to change and they have to evolve but the concept of the academic is something that doesn't change you're still going to have students you're still going to have professors you're still going to have um, room and board you're still going to have student life you're still going to have judicial affairs you're still going to have you know, the deans. <laughs> um, you're going to have the, the trustees. You're going to have... You're going to have that in every so-called non-profit organization. That's just something that's going to be there. You're going to have Nobel Prize winners. You're going to have people like Obama who graduated from these schools who also like... Lansing Hughes was did not have housing on campus what was that all about Columbia University was an all male school and Obama was the last class I think it was 87 87 when it was the last class of all male and they started of uh, co-ed after um, 87. And I started working there in 1990. I didn't know what a urinal was. Never been in one. Never had to use one. But that's something I had to learn. And how crazy is this? It was an all-male school, right? At some point, it became co-ed. It, it still transitions slowly. Like it's one of the last Ivy League schools to get their shit together. Still, um, and how ironic is it that a all male school had predominantly all female administrators who did the actual work, and not only that, but they were black, black females, black women very few white and the whites that were there they were Jewish so isn't that crazy I don't know if you guys know about the Delaney sisters the Delaney sisters um, having our say is a documentary that I recommend for you to watch they were the first black um, one was a teacher who went to teachers college and the other one was a dentist who went to medical school Delaney sisters and another uh, suggestion 
of documentary, uh, June Cross. She's a um, a professor for the journalism school, and she did her documentary of her life story. My secret daughter. Oh, sorry, I keep saying my secret daughter, but that's not the title. The title is Secret Daughter. I highly recommend for you to Google it. You can find it on YouTube. Secret Daughter by June Cross. And she's a professor who was born, her mother was white, and married or had her, I don't know if they were married, but her father was a musician, very famous one. Um, last name is Cross, I don't remember the first name. And um, her mother, because she couldn't, you know, still in the 60s, you couldn't, you know, have a interracial relationships, right? She just, just didn't know how to deal with having a black daughter. So she literally told all her friends and her networks that that was, she was adopted. And she literally had friends who were black who would take care of her in Harlem. And the mom lived in Atlanta City somewhere. But isn't that crazy? Isn't that like, you would have thought like, wow, she's a professor, her stepfather, was uh, an actor. Mom's beautiful, but she's beautiful too. June Cross. Secret Daughter. Another um, New York documentary that I recommend for people to watch is A Decade of Fire. A Decade of Fire is 10 years of fires in the Bronx. And the discovery was that you know, it wasn't the, the people, the Puerto Ricans and the blacks who lived in the Bronx who were creating this chaos worldwide. Oh, the Bronx is horrible. The people there are horrible. <laughs> it was actually the, the rich landlords who uh, knew that there was going to be a shift in uh, changes. And since there was no incentives anymore by the government to subsidized they were paying thugs to burn these buildings so that they can collect the insurance mm-hmm. that's America for you but what do I know so A Decade of Fire My Secret Daughter and oh and my interview with my daughter <laughs> uh Generation X versus Millennials, Generation Y. So, with that said, thank you again so much for those who walked in. Sharon, Curtis, Marcy, Just Us Stevensons, hello. Truly Julie. Cecilia Grace, thank you again. And I think I mentioned, oh, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. Rose. Elizabeth. Mr. Amazing. <laughs> so, Duco Moss. Oshun Falls. Thank you. Timothy Nunu. Ray Davis. Sarita. Brian. Abbas. Mystique. Melanie B. Ellen. Thank you. Chucky. The Frederick. Reggie. Stephen. Ricky. Monica. Spacey, Trey, Ronald Smith, also known as the Icon, Acupunchua, Bubu, Acupetunwa. I am so sorry if Bobo, if I mispronounced that, but welcome. Welcome to um, Wisdom and Latanya Jones and Michael J. Thank you again, everyone, for stopping by. Please make sure you follow everyone who's on this list of listeners. Follow each other. And if you have um, any insights on New York and what to do, um, if you want to know about New York and what to do, go to the beginning of this talk. 
Um, I mentioned a couple of things that you can do um, as a staycation or find out the top five things to do in your area and just do a week and take it off and enjoy your area. Enjoy your space, your community. Find out who's who, who's doing what and make it happen. Don't always leave it up to New York to entertain you or Disney. (laughs) Oh, snap, I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) All right, people. I love you. Bye.